0: And so today, we turn to the word of the Lord. Joshua, the third chapter, we'll be reading verses 9 through 17. Joshua, chapter 3, verses 9 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap, a great distance away at a town called Adam, in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down into the Sea of Ereba, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, we come to you with expectation that you will speak to us and that you will enable us to hear. Lord, may your word shape us May it transform us more into the likeness of Jesus. May it give us courage and direction. Lord, may your word live in us, even as you grant it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we continue our series, The Joshua Generation, which is really about a new beginning, yet with continuity to the past. And we will see this very clearly in today's message. For us, we are moving out of a time of wandering, if you will, for the past 13 plus months during COVID and entering a new, a new era, if you will, And so the people of Israel were walking into a new promise. And we expect God to lead us in the same way into new promises. And so we want to think about walking into those promises today and what that entails, the effects and implications that that has for all of us. Most of us know the story of Joshua chapter 3 and 4. It continues the story of preparation for the people to begin to live into the promise and vision of God. Again, I want to reiterate the same ideas for us as a community. Living into the promise and vision of God, not the vision that we establish or the dream that we dream, but understanding, grasping, embracing, and moving into the vision of God for us, for our community. For our lives together. Joshua has been called as a new leader after Moses has passed away in chapter one. The people respond to this call and the community acknowledges his leadership as Pastor Soon has been teaching us the past few weeks about these uh, incidences. We just reiterate so that we can get to today's text. Then the spies were sent out. They went into Jericho. They returned in chapter 2 with encouraging news. The people of Jericho recognizes that God is working, but rather than turning to God or seeking God's mercy or seeking God's grace, they hold up in rebellion. They don't want this God to come into their land. They're in fear, but the people are encouraged as they understand God is going before them, that God is making the way for them. Now they're taking a step towards the promise. As we see in today's text, they come all the way to the Jordan River and set up camp. But the Jordan River is effectively a wall, just as the walls around Jericho exist. There are obstacles to going into the promise it, it's never quite as easy as it sounds. Now I wonder how the people might have felt at this time. And I imagine that you and I might feel much the same way that they felt in the situation. There's excitement, anticipation. Look, look what's coming. Wow, this is this is great. On the other hand, there's there's fear. How are we going to do this? There's doubt. There are various things that block the way and, and blind to the pathway to live into that promise. And so today we come and we're going to go back in the text to the beginning of the chapter and just share a little bit about what is going on to the beginning of the story, if you will. And it begins in, in verse 2. The camp is moved, and it says three days. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp. So there, this, this notion of three days that we see, and we see in chapter 1, verse 11, that beginning the march that would lead to crossing the Jordan would take three days. In chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 22, the spies were gone for three days. And so while they were moving the camp and getting there to, right there next to the Jordan River, it seems that the spies were gone in and they came back. And it's like, wow. And so now in response to their reports, it's like, okay, guys, let's let's move on. And so after three days, three days had passed. And so for those three days, there was some sort of preparation going on in the heart's minds and actions of the people of God to live into the promise if you will and so he said god says follow the ark follow the ark verses 3 and 4 when you see the ark of the covenant of the lord your god and the priests who are levites carrying it you are to move out from your positions and follow it then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. What's going on here? As the cloud by day and the pillar by night represented the presence of God for the people in the desert during the years of wandering, during the escape from Egypt, on the way to Sinai. That's gone. So what is God's presence with us now? And that had become the ark of God's covenant with his people. And so now it's follow the covenant. This still represents something very significant, very important. And so when they go into the Jordan River, they're not going on their own. In the same way that they've been led in the past, they are being led today. There is that continuity with the old. There is something new about it at the same time. And God recognizes, as we read, that they don't know the way because they've never been that way before. God says, you haven't been that way. Let me go before you. Let me show you the path to follow. I'm not going to abandon you. We, we can ha- easily think of the imagery of the good shepherd who walks with his sheep, who goes before them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And so, God, you know, sometimes we don't know the way. Sometimes we don't know what it means to take the next step, what direction to go. And God promises, my presence will go before you. Learn to see it and follow me. And then there's this funny note about, but be sure you keep a thousand yards distance. Is that because God doesn't want to be close to us? No. In this case, what is it representing? Number one, it's you know, so you you got this like, you know, more than a half a mile, almost three-quarters of a mile, right? Two-thirds of a mile, something like that. Distance between the people and the ark. And the first thing that this does is, is it generates a sense of reverence for God. It acknowledges that God is different from us, that God is other from us. And unless God opens the door for us to come to him, we cannot come to him. And so keep your distance, remembering. Holding on to the fear of God, respecting God, honoring God. Often we imagine God is like us. And God is like us in that God is relational, God is communicative, God is moral. But God is so not like us. God is eternal, God is all powerful, God is all, God is other. And it causes a sense of genuine humility when we remember that this God has invited us to follow and to walk with him. It also gives a wide pathway for two million people, roughly, to cross through over the Jordan River. Could you imagine trying to do that in single file if God only opened up the small passage? Doesn't sound like it would work very well. That would take forever and they're going to pass through in a day. So they need a wide span to be able to pass, pass over the ground. And so this also gives, gives the people this wide span to, to cross over on. And it also allows the people to remember the presence of God as they cross. It, it's far enough away where the people can see and remember that God is going before, and that God is making the way. And so the passage is at least as much focused on God and God's work as it is on what the people are doing. God is going before. God is making the way possible. And God will follow them. Once they're all over, God will follow them out. And so he is before, he is with, and he is behind. The Lord is present with his people. And then we see in verse 5 that God begins to plant seeds of hope in his people. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Oh Lord, speak that to us today. I will do amazing things among you. I love that expression as as I meditated on it and as I uh, did some research on it. He builds anticipation, telling the people, first, consecrate yourselves. This was the first step. Be sure you are ready for what God is going to do, for what God is going to speak, for how God is going to lead. So often, we're not really ready. And an opportunity comes, and we cannot step into that opportunity because we are not ready to embrace that opportunity. But in this case, he says consecrate yourselves, be set apart, examine your hearts as individuals and as a community. What can I do personally? What can we do together? Are we ready for what God is going to do? This is a ne- necessary preparation for all of us. But the preparation builds expectation. You know, we 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 have preparation for Christmas and little kids the expectation builds with all the preparation that is the number of presents under the trees growing, and, and there, there's this expectation that builds. And God says, "Prepare, because that will generate within you a sense of expectation." But then God says, "Get ready for me to move among you, and to reveal myself through something amazing." And it is going to be amazing. And you know, sometimes my imagination uh, or my memory gets the best of me, and my mind when I was reading this and thinking about it, jumps to that scene in The Incredibles when Mr. Incredible steps out of his braking car, and there's that little boy on a tricycle looking up at him. And Mr. Incredible says something to the effect of, of, what are you waiting for? And the youngster replies, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. He doesn't know exactly what he's expecting, but he's expecting something. It's kind of like, wow, that's, that's the sense that this passage gives me. I don't know, but God is going to do something amazing. This is exciting. And so God is planting the seed of hope, planting the seed of faith, of expectation for himself to work. And then we move up to setting up for a new beginning. So we've heard the story, and now we begin to see a new beginning. We come to the passage of the crossing of the river. There's a transition from the old, which was the wandering in the wilderness, into the new, which is the promised land. There's a, uh, in this passage, we see that promises have been received. And promises are great, aren't they? We love to get promises from God. We love to read the promises in the Scripture. Sometimes we get the little box of promises, scripture promises, and we pull one out and we read it and we say, Yes, this is my promise. Now, we can talk about that theologically at another point in time. The point of this is we love promises. And as the person who promises them is faithful to their word, it generates greater and greater excitement in our own lives, in our own minds, in our own hearts. And so, uh, but we love the promises, but the fulfillment is often very challenging. Promises usually cost something to someone. And in the Bible knowledge commentary, it says this, for Israel, the crossing of the Jordan meant they were irrevocably committed to a struggle against armies, chariots, and fortified cities. They were irrevocably connected to a struggle. The promise was theirs, but the attaining of that promise involved struggles. And so let's think about it for a minute as you continue in, in the story. And we look in, in verse eight, where the priests are told to carry the ark and go to the water's edge, and then step into the water, and then go into the middle of the river. When we think about them, you know, I, I begin to wonder what they must have felt like because this was something new for them. The challenge was would have been incredible. There's, they're they're literally asked to take a step of faith. God's message is Hey guys, the land is yours. Now go take it. But it is really, once more, God's acts and promises that are the focus. It says in verse 10, he will certainly drive them out before you. And so God promises that he will be the one who makes everything possible. He will be your sustenance in the midst of the process and in the midst of obedience. So what happened with the priests? As soon as their feet touched the water, The river backed up. It didn't just stop right there, it backed up. So that the people were all able then to move on and go across. The river was at flood stage, and yet it stopped, and the people passed over on dry ground. That was amazing. That was, can you imagine the people watching this miracle of waters? flowing the wrong way. And, and knowing that it was for their sake. It was for them. And so the people cross over into the promised land on dry ground. They are at this point of a new beginning. And in chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, there's a direct connection made between the Red Sea and the Jordan River. That's why I say there's a a break from the past, there's something new happening, but there's still continuity with the old as well. And we're not going to go into all of the narrative and everything that this entails, but we do want to talk about part of it because we need to remember there's continuity, but there's new. And so what are the things that we're seeing in all of this? The call is to remember that God who has worked in your history, God who has worked in your life, God who has worked in the life of your fathers, of your mothers, of your grandparents, of your uncles, God who has continued to work in our lives is the same God today and is the God of our future. Trust his character. This is the call. This is how we can say, no matter what the circumstances, God is good. Because we live our lives based on the character of God, not on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. This means we must know God. We must know His character. We must experience Him. We must recognize His hand in our lives, what He has done, what He continues to do. And so, like Moses parting the Red Sea, Joshua parts the Jordan River. And the people get to experience a similar miracle to look back on and say, yes, we know God is with us. Look at what he did. Remember what he did. Moses led the people to Sinai through the Red Sea. Joshua leads Israel into the promised land through the Jordan River. They're both taking steps in their journeys with God. This demonstrates that God who was with Moses, is with Joshua. Remember in chapter three, verse seven, God said to Joshua once more, as I was with Moses, so I am with you. Well, he he said, the people will see that as I was with Moses, I am also with you. And so we see this confirmation of what is going on. It demonstrates that God, who was with his people in the past, is with his people still. That's why it says in verse 10, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. God doing something only God can do. There's no other way to explain it. And so, the natural conclusion, God who is with our parents, is with us today, is going ahead of us. On the other hand, there's some, there's some discontinuity, some difference. Uh, in the events of the Jordan and the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, the people were filled only with fear. In their hearts, there was no hope. There was no way out. They were terrified. They just wanted to get away from the pursuit of the enemy and had no idea how that would happen and no idea that it was even possible. For the Red Sea crossing, The focus was on leaving the past life of bondage behind. That's what they were trying to get away from. This was was the focus. This is a new generation, and they hope for a new thing. They're not moving to get away from a past so much as they are to embrace a future. That is their hope, that God is going to help them to live into the promises that God has made. For the new generation, the Jordan crossing is not about the past, but rather their future. They are leaving a life of wandering behind and finding a place of permanence. Warren Wiersbe says of this relationship, it is instructive to contrast the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan. The first crossing illustrates separation from the past, Egypt, the world, while the second crossing pictures entrance by faith into our spiritual inheritance in Christ. The enemy was defeated once and for all when the Egyptian army was drowned in the Red Sea, but the Jews had to win one victory after another when they crossed, into, crossed Jordan and entered Canaan. Canaan. On the cross, Jesus defeated our enemies, but we have to walk and war by faith if we are to have daily victory. And I say amen. So we walk into the victory of God through the victory of Jesus on our behalf. Another of the elements that comes up Particularly in chapter 4, is memorials. And Pastor Soon did a great job of reminding us about these memorials throughout the book of Joshua and God's call to build them and to establish them. And chapter 4 deals with, with memorials. It begins in chapter 3, uh, chapter 4 be- talks about this. Chapter 3, verse 12 12 men are chosen for a special task. In chapter 4, it becomes clear what that special task is. In verses 4 through 9, they're to take up sto- stones out of the Jordan as a sign. A sign. What is the sign supposed to be for? What is it supposed to point out? We'll get to that in just a minute. When we go to chapter 4, verses 20 through 24, they set up the stones at Gilgal. What does it say in verse 21 through 24? He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And so God gives the the purpose of this sign. What is it supposed to point to? That's what signs do, right? They point to something. So that you may know that God is the same one who performed all of the miracles you heard about from your parents and grandparents. And to demonstrate that as he dried up the Red Sea for them, he will stop the Jordan for you. You will pass through on dry ground so that you may know that God is with you. It also says in verse 24, so that all people may be witness to. He did this so that all peoples of earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. When we let God th- live through us and li- let us lead us into his promises, that in and of itself becomes a witness and a testimony to his character and to his care. It is so that you may fear God in verse 24. We need to look back at these memorials because they remind us of who God is and how God has been active in our lives and call us to respond in love, in worship, in reverence, in awe. When we experience God in our lives, it is good to set up reminders. We so easily forget those things that would encourage our faith and would allow us... Start again when we experience God in our lives, it is good to set up reminders. We so easily forget those things that would encourage our faith and we allow the present to overwhelm us. The past is supposed to serve as a building block for our future. And finally, I'd like to think about crossing over for a minute. Crossing rivers. What rivers lie before us as a community, as individuals in our lives? What does it mean? What are the implications of crossing over? And so, you know, as I think about this and we look back, we see that a step of faith may be required. Again, in chapter 3, verse 8, the priests who did not experience the Red Sea were told, walk out into the Jordan River. That was a step of faith. This is often going to be something that we are called to To live into the promise of God. This was all new for them. We're called to go to go to the edge, then go a little further, then go a little further as we wait on God to do what only God can do. It also means that we're leaving something behind. There is a past. And there may be a sense of loss because we are letting something go. There may be a sense of relief because we're letting something go. But there, there is something that we are leaving behind. And most of us are afraid of change because what if it's not for the better? What if it gets even worse on the other side? And so that step may be difficult, but recognize we're leaving something behind. Acknowledge it. We don't need to pretend that it's not there. Then we need to remember that it may be difficult to return. And it's always difficult to return to things as they were. And so when we leave something behind, we may say, oh, you know what? I like that better. But when you go back, it's not going to be the same. Because we've changed somehow through the new experience. Hopefully, we've grown. There is an inevitable cost to crossing the river. We need to be understanding of what that cost is and willing to pay that price. Something different awaits us on the other side. That means we are going to have to go through change, adapting to new situations, often a change of lifestyle. Change is inherently difficult. There are unexpected challenges. It's exciting. We look forward to it. It's also nerve-wracking because we don't know how things are going to end up. There are going to be unexpected joys and blessings along the way, even as we work through all of the challenges that we will encounter. Finally, we go over, we cross over, because we see and believe some type of promise. Ultimately, we believe that God is moving us into something new, into something that is going to grow us, into something that is going to allow us to know God more, to allow us to be more who he wants us to be, to live the life that he wants us to live. How do you let go of the old treasure? There's only one way, to find a new treasure, to find something better. And so we cling to the promise of God as something better. And so, the question posed to us today is, are we willing to cross over into the new thing that God is doing? Seeing that it is God who makes the way, are we willing to take a step of faith? Are we willing to let go of the past and leave it behind? To let go of that which keeps us from living into the promise. What are the rivers in your life today? What are the rivers that our community may need to cross? These are the questions. God invites you as an individual and us as a community to cross over.